0: Welcome to the 89th episode of Dialoga, a podcast between two friends about the latest in society, politics, and feminism in Indonesia and the world. I'm Stephanie Tankelisen.
1: And I'm Swedian Lee. And this week, we're going to talk about COVID-19 because what else is there to talk about? (laughs) But we're going to switch things up a little bit. We're not going to talk about the news about COVID-19.
0: I think everyone is pretty well aware of the news, so we just want to talk about how we're coping and what's helping us get through the day as well as our reflections on this COVID epidemic. Not that it's over or nearly over, but more of our reflections of, you know, what what's going on in terms of like how we think this is unveiling kind of the different social and class structures that exist in the world today that has been, you know, brought back.
1: And honestly, right, like if you wanted the news about COVID nineteen, you can turn on anything and it'll be there. We hope that this conversation, which is much more about Stephanie and I reflecting about the situation is cathartic or in some ways helpful for you to get through these times, you know. This is, uh, unfortunately, we're still in the thick of it. And you know, we don't know yet when we'll come out of this pandemic, but...
0: In 18 months.
1: Fingers crossed. Even in 2021, apparently. <laughs> uh, but, you know, we're all in this together and we hope that this conversation will bring some joy in Joy is a your strong day. word.
0: will bring <laughs> some levity to your day.
1: Whatever day it is. Here's to it. Nurse, uh it's good to be back. It's good to be alive at this moment in time. Uh, apologies for missing out uh, on an episode uh, a couple of weeks ago when I was out with dengue. Um, it was fun. It's exactly a month ago that I was admitted to the hospital. I went in. There was no lockdown or pandemic. I came out. Now there's a. <laughs> I came up to my house and I haven't like gone out yet since. <laughs> other than like doing errands.
0: Um, Are you sure you didn't get COVID?
1: I am sure. Anyway, uh, I'm healthy. I've recovered. Stephanie, I hope you're healthy as well in San Francisco. I don't know. Are you?
0: (laughs) I am. uh, I have been getting seasonal flu. Not seasonal flu. Like seasonal allergies, which means I constantly have a runny nose. And I occasionally sneeze in public when I'm doing groceries. And everyone avoids me like a plague. And I'm like, these are not symptoms for COVID. I just have allergies, okay? (laughs) It's like such a bad time.
1: (laughs) It's literally like the worst time to...
0: You might hear me sniffling throughout this episode because allergies.
1: Not COVID, apparently.
0: <laughs> That's not a symptom. Runny nose and sneezing. This is primarily fever and respiratory illness.
1: I mean, it it really is. Like uh, in the states, it's like allergy season. Here in Indonesia, it's like dengue season. So it's just like people are getting sick anyways. Usually in this time of year, but now people are really. Paranoid about it for good reason. Um, but yeah, uh, we're recording this episode on April 14th. And as we speak, Indonesia and particularly Jakarta, where I'm in, is not locked down, but it's uh, going through a phase called large scale social distancing or PSBB, where basically the, the local government is restricting social interactions outside. Like you can't hang out. In malls and restaurants, you can only go out um, in small groups to uh, supermarkets, to hospitals, anything essential services, but no like leisure or recreational activities. I don't know what the case is in like in San Francisco. So
0: it's officially like there. So are malls closed?
1: Yes, malls have been closed for a while before um, Jakarta Governor Anis Baswedan implemented this new policy of PSBB. But now you know restaurants were still open. You know some places were still like doing dine in. People were still hanging out, congregating in parks, things like that. But now, as of uh, Friday last week, on Good Friday, um, he implemented the policy.
0: That's so recent. Only last Friday? Yes. Oh, Lord. Only
1: last Friday. And it's going to be in place for two weeks. And then they'll reevaluate every two weeks. But honestly, people are still going to work. You know, stores are still open. Really? Like, he announced it. There was an announcement and everything in Jakarta. And everybody was like, you know, you have to... Follow these rules, otherwise you'll get fined or whatever. But people are still like, "eh." And the thing is, like, enforcement is still weird because, like, a lot of the police officers are like congregating without you wearing masks. They're like essentially breaking the rules of psbb as they're doing their job, so mm-hmm. they're not really doing their job. It, it, like anything in Indonesia, the the thought of the policy is great, but the actual enforcement execution is wanting. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is going to work out. Uh, people are already like in voluntary quarantine anyways for the last month.
0: So for most white collar workers in Jakarta, how early or long has the stay at home order been into effect?
1: So um, if we're talking about companies like Gojek, yeah. right, like all these startups, people were sent home at the end of March.
0: Okay. And
1: as far as I know, and, and they kept revising like when the work from home policy is going to end. But as far as I know, they're going until the first of June. Okay. There was hopes to get it like early or mid May, but as you know, as of like last week, I think one of my friends working in Gojek, they extended the work from home. And my company and a lot of my friends' companies have at the end of March sent everyone home, basically indefinite work from home. But obviously, you know, especially those who are in Jakarta, you know that the backbone of the economy are not are people who cannot work from home. Yeah. And uh, part of the reason why a lot of people have said that Jokowi, as well as like the politicians, have been hesitant about doing a full lockdown like we've seen in other countries is because they know that the backbone of the Indonesian economy is the small uh, businesses, right?
0: And factories and so mm -hmm, forth, manufacturing.
1: The blue collar in a way. Like, yeah, sure, the white collar can survive on their own because they're already of that size. Yeah. Uh there's been a lot of confusion right now because under the rules of pass Bebe, technically speaking gojek and grab drivers you know the ojek drivers they can't uh-huh. carry passengers uh-huh. but then uh i think another ministry was like oh actually you can like the transportation ministry said they can while the health ministry said they can't yeah. and now people are confused but the the drivers themselves are like we need to make a living uh, how are you going to help us out and like the the companies can do their best but they're also suffering Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's been a weird case of like who's going to support the lower end of the spectrum
0: Is there any talks on like a stimulus or like a tax refund or whatever? There have been talks
1: about financial aid, essentially, and like injection into the market. But Mm -hmm. I mean, this is not formal or anything. These are like speculation because nobody wants to say this out loud. They don't want to halt the economy. So they're hoping that like by flying the curve this way, where you're just restricting social interactions, like a base minimum economy is still running. That can be more easily revamped up when everything is over rather than close everything down how successful that is is debatable and whether or not this will help or hurt the actual flattening of the curve from a public health perspective that's also debatable so it's a lot of up in the air right now people are still like trying to figure it out they don't know what to enforce what not to enforce i don't know what to do or not to do i don't know if i can go to this place or that place so i just stay at home (laughs) (laughs) Um, especially here right you just you know people still have a certain like bravado about like oh it's not going to hit me, and I can't always blame them if they don't have the resources to buy masks if they don't have resources to buy all this protective stuff they you know that's not the thing they're worrying about right now they're worrying about how do I put food on the table for my family yeah but at the same time it's also like uh, we're all in this together how do we prevent the spreading of the disease I don't know it's like it's very strange
0: I mean it's also like if everyone wears PPE. Was, is there enough PPE for healthcare workers and people who actually need it? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have PPE and I don't intend to get PPE because I don't need it and I don't want to take resources from people who might need it otherwise.
1: Of course. And that's I think that's also a big thing right now, right? Like, certainly in Indonesia, like, as of the last month, people have been hoarding uh, masks.
0: Yeah, that was crazy. And
1: reselling them in Tokopedia for, like, you know, three, four or five times. Uh, there's been a lot of raids to stop that kind of jacking up the prices. But only recently people were like actually maybe you don't as a as an individual resident who's not working in essential services maybe you don't need 10 boxes of surgical masks. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can just get a cloth mask, you know? And we're starting to move towards that direction a little bit or
0: make your own mask, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Knowing that there's so many shortages in hospitals and clinics um so right. Certainly here in Indonesia, there's been a mentality over the last month or so of everyone for themselves in a way, really.
0: Did you guys run out of toilet paper? Not really here. Okay.
1: Is there a shortage of toilet paper in San Francisco?
0: I struggled, yo. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I couldn't find toilet paper for like two weeks. Wow. Like I was like on my last roll.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're playing with fire. That was my
0: life. I know it's not that big of a deal, but, like, that was, like, I was, like, oh, things are real. I can't find toilet paper. And, like, in every freaking grocery store, all of the toilet paper shelves are empty. Like, empty. Everyone's hoarding toilet paper. And I'm, like, don't. Like, this is unnecessary.
1: Yeah, it's not gonna protect you. It'll just make you feel more comfortable. (laughs) Did you have to succumb to, like, Using a lesser toilet paper.
0: <laughs> Surprisingly, when I did get it, the one that was available was the brand that I liked, which is Charmin.
1: Yeah, Charmin,
0: ultra soft. Yeah. Okay, we're getting on the toilet paper tension here, but
1: I- I'm just saying, Charmin. If you ever want to sponsor our podcast, we know we don't target your audience, but hey, I love your product. It's
0: the bears are so cute.
1: I know, and honestly, your butt deserves really—you know—deserves the best.
0: I think we're heading to TMI territory, but okay.
1: <laughs> Listeners, this is what quarantine does to you, right? Like, you, you just you talk about other things that you never thought you'd talk about in public.
0: <laughs> it feels like it's been like three months.
1: So how how are you coping on that front?
0: Like, I, I remember like the first few weeks when this happened. And every time I go to a grocery store, I would kind of get paranoid. Like, what if I got it outside today? You know, like, rationally, I, I don't think I got it but I was like oh I feel feverish and then like fortunately I have a thermometer that I bought like <laughs> a while ago that I like somehow found and I was like just okay I'm gonna measure myself oh I'm not normal I'm just like it's like psychosomatic or whatever so that has been like useful um and I live with doctors so that's like been useful as well the fact that I live with roommates who I usually like are not here when I'm working from home. So it's also a sense of like, you know, I'm only a child. I grew up without a lot of people around. Um, So a big part of it is adjusting to like having people share your space 24 mm-hmm. seven. So, and it's not like your family. It's like your roommates.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: And like for the most part, people just ignore each other, but it still feels like uh, still feel claustrophobic. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. And even, even with family, I can assure yeah, you. Yeah, how's
0: that going? How's being quarantined with your family?
1: You know, I, I feel privileged enough that we, we live in a big enough house where everybody has their own space. Actually, at first, it was pretty strange because, you know, people were bored. Um But as of, like, past, like, two or three weeks, uh, my family has implemented, like, organically without anybody, like, we just started doing it. We started actually implementing, like, dinners together again which we haven't done for the last oh. like 15 years <laughs> really <laughs> because we we just don't do it everybody has their own thing like you know nobody's home in the same time
0: because huh. my family's a eat family together all the time kind of family so. yeah
1: yeah your family is definitely like that um my family is definitely not everybody's very independent but right now since we're all stuck together we, we started doing it and uh it felt kind of nice you know like you can be there for each other um and support each other and it makes it feel less isolating. I'm sure there are people yeah. out there, our listeners, I'm sure, who might be, you know, in an apartment on your own or, you know, be very far away from your family. So it's it's, it's little moments like these that, I, you know, makes you appreciate what you have, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Like, because I'm one of those people who are like, I wake up, I get ready for half an hour and then I leave and then I come back late at night after work. So, like, I really don't spend any time at home. Or with my family members usually. But now I get to have that. And obviously there will be tension and friction because it's family. But at the same time, you know, I'm also like, in a way, loving it. Um, And I hope we can still continue doing this after the pandemic is over. Having the ability to isolate yourself.
0: It's such a privilege.
1: You know, we're both very privileged where we have as much control as we can. While in this period, there's a lot of people out there who don't have control over their lives. Right. During this period, you know, governments, authorities, the virus itself is making choices for them. And it's it's difficult to see what they can do to survive through this. And we're privileged enough that we know we've got the things we need to survive through this.
0: I think it's not just survival of the fittest; it's survival of the richest that's going on, um, and it's something we need to pay attention to, mm-hmm. especially for America. How do you give resources for people who really need it? Right, like that's something I think people should think about.
1: I mean, when you start to having to basically count the numbers and see, you know, allocating resources, like you said, when there's just not enough to cover everyone who needs it. When you have to make that brutal mathematical calculation on what is essentially an ethical issue, that's just so tragic, right? And I think it
0: sucks. It's, it's,
1: obviously, America is not the only place who's suffering through that. I think in Indonesia, there's also something like that, you know, yeah, uh, people aren't willing to talk about it, because it's such a difficult and sensitive topic. And yet, I don't see a lot of national governments around the world willing to help resolve that issue, right? if you're still going to be a capitalist in this period and you're still trying to like eke out whatever instead of like trying to push as much of uh, federal funds or whatever to support getting yeah. the resources to the hospitals and clinics that need it what what are you trying to do right like, are you, you know it's just ugh. making like doctors and hospitals and nurses and staff having to make that decision rather than you as leaders of the country is i think an abomination because yeah. these are the people in the front line. They're they're literally seeing the human cost of this pandemic and other people are only seeing the financial cost. And I think we don't talk enough about the human cost that is not just from COVID-19 mm-hmm. but from the lack of support for the people who are working their ass off, risking their lives to fight this pandemic everywhere in the world. You know, Not just in America, not just in Indonesia. I think both Stephanie and myself no doctors um, in our close circles. Um, I have a doctor in my family. Uh, I, feel, I, I know intimately well the kind of risks they're taking, even if they're not mm-hmm. in the front lines of fighting COVID. They're, they're still working in hospitals, potentially putting themselves at risk. And I think we need to support them as much as we can, um, yeah. not just from, you know, clap your hands and hooray kind of opinion, but also like pushing our leaders and our politicians to support these people in a way that Give them in-
0: all the resources that they need.
1: Yeah, individuals can't, right? Like these people are risking their lives. Yeah. And it's it's just tragic to hear stories of like doctors and nurses who are dying from COVID-19 because they couldn't even get a simple PPE. It, people have to make their own out of raincoats or like make their own masks because they would literally probably die if they didn't. It's it's just so wrong.
0: Feel like this should be a wake-up call for everyone and how we should go forward like i hope you know once this virus gets better i don't i hope we don't forget the lessons that we learned here which is like give science and scientists their, the money that they need like care for each other like you know like
1: support public service workers
0: um the people that you know like people used to say in america like oh why why should minimum wage be 15 for grocery workers it's not hard to bag things i'm like who are you relying on now like you know um, who's
1: buying your groceries now
0: <laughs> like or immigrant farmers like who is feeding you now and who's going to work in the fields to make sure there's no food shortage yeah. you know um some people think like certain types of people are beneath them that's people who you're relying on now mm-hmm. and it's it's something that i feel like really strongly about and i hope that will be a takeaway for more people in general but i think that's too optimistic but you know (laughs) it's
1: not in your character to be this optimistic
0: (laughs) and also like racism right like Mm -hmm. not just towards people of color working those jobs but like there have been lots of hate crimes toward asian americans and i'm like now when i go out i'm like oh okay like am i gonna get yelled at like uh what
1: if you cough or sneeze in front of them
0: yeah i was like (laughs) Yeah, for some reason I had a wet cough someday because I sleep under a window and there's like it's super humid and like it results in coughing. And I was like trying my heart, like I was getting groceries and I was like, like like trying my hardest not to cough in public. Don't cough. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just like not right now. (laughs) Not right now. Not today, Satan. (laughs) Not today. Um. But yeah, like hate crimes towards Asian Americans. That happens. Uh, That happened to a friend of mine who wrote an article in Shark. Wow. Uh,
1: um,
0: And like, yeah, I feel like, you know, I mean, Trump called it a Chinese virus, right? Like,
1: It's only after backlash that he stopped, of course.
0: And when it first happened, like everyone abandoned Chinatown and Chinese food or Asian food in general. And when, you know, I think it's time that also Asian Americans realize like some people may consider us the model minority, Mm -hmm. but it's not, it's not like that, you know, we're dispensable in a way like you are still minorities and we need to like have racial solidarity with uh, other people of color. Um,
1: I think in general, you need to have solidarity with everyone these days, right? I'm I'm, I'm hoping that out of this pandemic, and again, I'm not not of an optimistic kind like Stephanie, I'm hoping people will be more empathetic, right? And be more yeah. understanding of each other and thinking of others ahead of yourself. Um, especially in this period where people were literally, you know, survival of the richest, survival of the fittest, hoarding everything. Now that we realize, oh, actually all of this hoarding is not going to do us much. The more important thing is to make ourselves a little bit more uncomfortable, a little bit more inconvenient in mm-hmm. order to help everyone else out, in order to think bigger picture, right? Mm-hmm. And... Honestly, a lot of leaders and politicians are not thinking in that perspective. So, we need to do it and we need to encourage everyone, both like public sectors and private sectors, to do it.
0: Right.
1: Uh, because it's a responsibility for each and every one of us, right? We're only going to make this work if everyone in society is on board and the same page. And it's going to be difficult, it's going to be horrible in many ways. But I'm hoping that there's a silver lining out of this. Uh, right now, we're seeing a lot of the ugly sides of society truly with racial discrimination, inequality. Yeah. There's nothing to hide behind it, right? There's no politics, there's no entertainment, there's no sports to hide all of this ugliness. This is the right time to confront it and think about what do we as a human species want to call ourselves, right? Right? Are we going to be very Darwinian and just trying to see who survives, who makes it out alive in Hunger Games style, or are we going to support each other?
0: Yeah.
1: I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I'm hoping it's the latter. Fingers crossed it's the latter.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find more information and resources of whatever we talked about on our website, delica.id.
1: Music credits to John Dealey, Lee, Lee Rosevere, and of course, Broke for Free.
0: If you like what you hear and want to support us, please review our podcast on the Apple Podcast app or whatever app you use to listen to your podcast. And please share our podcast with your friends. It's the best way to spread the word about Dialogica.
1: If you want to get more involved, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is dialogicapodcast at gmail.com or just shoot us a message on our Facebook page.
0: You can also find us on Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, and our Twitter. Please follow us in these various platforms. Our Twitter handle is at dialogicapod. Also, follow me on Twitter. It's Tank Steph at s-t-e-p-h-t-a-n-g-k.
1: Thank you again and see you guys next time.
0: Bye!